White Castle presents CEO Lisa Ingram. My great-grandfather opened White Castle in 1921, which is why I'm excited to announce the new 1921 slider, inspired by how we made him 100 years ago with a 100% beef patty topped with cheddar cheese, caramelized onions, tomato, lettuce, and pickles. Come see why originality never goes out of style. I'm Lisa, but you can call me the Slider Queen. White Castle. Long live sliders. Pasteurized processed cheese at participating castles. Texting privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. That's right. Millions of kids in kindergarten through third grade in the United States cannot read at grade level. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just one dollar text the word grade to 32 32 32 right now hooked on phonics is highly effective and incredibly fun and everything can be done right from home and in less than 20 minutes a day for more than 30 years hooked on phonics has been the proven learn to read program that kids love to use text grade to 32 32 32 and teach your child to read in just 30 days guaranteed text grade to 32 32 32 right now and get started for just one dollar text grade to 32 32 32 now text grade to 32 32 32 Welcome back to the Razzball Prospect Podcast. This is your host, Ralph Lifshitz. I am here, as always, with my main man, Lance Brozdowski. Lance, how are you doing today? Are you ready to go over the Jeter Marlins? Can we <laughs> the call them Jeter that? Marlins. The Jeter Marlins. Oh, I'm ready. I'm always ready, man. I'm, I'm pleasure to join you and, and to hang out with the rest of the Razz listeners here. Um, you been watching any spring ball, Ralph? Of course. Of course. Yeah, I've been, uh, I've been trying to dig in heavy on games that probably have you know, they've been showing so many on like you know MLB TV. It's actually been kind of nice. I feel like there's yeah. been more sport training coverage than usual in a variety of games. So we're recording those. We're recording all the Red Sox ones that are of course on on the local station here in Nesson. And I've just been trying to dig into as much tape of everybody as possible, mostly uh, because this time of year you see a lot of prospects and you see some guys you do, who maybe yeah. won't be in Major League camp all that long. Uh, watched the Padres the other day and it was a lot of fun just to see all those different prospects in the field. You'll see like you know Josh Naylor walking around all big with his you know. Blonde, you know, muff of hair, and you know, Tatis ripped a double down the line. Just seeing him run, you know, seeing him in HD, you know, on a big screen in lot live is pretty cool. 
Um, cause though I have the MILB ticket, um, here I am stumbling over my words, but MILB ticket, you know, you don't necessarily get the same quality of video that you get with MLB. Yeah, I'm being a little bit, I'm being gracious <laughs> by the way. I'm nice right now. But, <laughs> but seriously. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun watching a lot of these guys. I got to see Soroka pitch. Uh, somebody hit a homer off of him when I watched him pitch. I got but, him you know, queued up to well. watch. And then somebody that, uh, we're going to cover today, Sandy Alcantara pitched really well, looked phenomenal. Um, they got me all jacked up. Trevor Bauer, I think I talked about that with Gray. Uh, he pitched really well in his debut. So just been catching bits and pieces here and there. I, I wish I could stay at home and watch like all the games <laughs> and see all the because this is this is what's great about this time of year is all these different prospects and players yeah, whose game has evolved over the offseason. You know, they put in the work and they've taken another step. And this is where you really get to see, you know, recognize some of those sort of budgeting skills. And it's one of the reasons that I've been holding off on releasing my top 100. I know everyone's asking me about it. I'm going to get to work. I'm going to try to hammer out uh, a couple of different systems this week, you know, maybe get through like four or five. That way I can get through the next like, you know, 11 or so that I need to finish. That way I can get the top 100 out sometime in mid-March to not miss everybody's drafts. But uh, <laughs> I'm ready <laughs> I for that so list. So many questions about it, man. Oh, you're going to get them a ton, especially because like I, I try to get mine out a little bit earlier just to jump on a lot of the, the – seo side etc on the website right. side it gives you a lot of more pulls because there aren't a lot out there in january etc but at the same time i always end up looking back in march after i get looks like you're getting at these guys in hd etc and you get looks like it's major league talent even if it is you know bench major league talent quad a major league talents it's major league talent and most of the time it's much more advanced than what they're seeing at lower levels and that's valuable i think for a lot of reasons and one of the guys i'll mention very briefly that stood out to me michael kopak oh my god he is really really good um, I'm going to jack him up. I'm, I'm in my fantasy rankings now. Starting to put those together finally. Just general fantasy. And uh, I'm very tempted to kind of slot him aggressively. Because we've seen guys in the past who are prospects who pop up through the major leagues. And even if that timeline for Kopech is a little bit later, I could foresee that jumping up a little bit and just wanting to get him reps. And he looked really, really good against the A's. Like, I was... I was very pleased with what I saw, and I know, like, he, he, he put down Matt Olson like nothing. Like, there's a couple other guys, too. And, I mean, like, it's the A's, et cetera, not the greatest team, not much depth, but as Michigan League talent. This is bats, so it's a bad he, it's, combo for the A's. It's, but, yeah, it's oh, fair, that's fair. They're, they're a major league team, right? Yeah, and I think he's ready. Like, I just, yeah, I'm happy with where I have him ranked in my top 100. I think I have him inside the top 10, and I'm, I'm sitting on that, and I'm, I'm really sure. liking that ranking. I, I really like how he looked. But, yeah, Tatis went the other way on a homer, too. You mentioned the double. Luis Arias has gotten some reps. Naylor, I haven't seen actually too much of, but um, his no, I his uh, dog out being fat. That's pretty much all. <laughs> his brother Noah Naylor is is going to be in this draft. He's projected to go second round as a catcher, lefty catcher, really good bat. He's a very interesting draft prospect going forward. But uh, but um, Lewis Brinson, Ralph. Let's jump into this Marlins list here. Um, when we were shooting some texts, I think someone on Twitter actually added us talking about Brinson because I kind of previewed that we were doing the Marlins today. Um, sure. I, I've always really, really liked Brinson. I looked at his projections for what the Rasball site, uh, Rudy does some great projections, combining Steamer does a couple adjustments. And I was looking at those and kind of comparing those to guys from last year to see like what value he's actually going to return. And it was actually almost spot on to three other guys who were like pseudo prospects that jumped around, Jorge Polanco, Orlando RC, and Tim Anderson, who are all middle infielders. But the projection that that Rasball has out, we have him at 136 games, 16 home runs, 14 bags, 255 average, 315 OBP. Very similar to those three other guys, except it's in the outfield. So the value on it drops a little bit. Sure. I want to pass this to you, Ralph, to start off. Where's the upside for him? Do you see him outproducing this projection that we have on Rasball by a substantial amount? Are you kind of buying this? Are you a little bit more modest? Give me your thoughts overall. 
So what, were the, what was the homer number again? 16. We got him at 16 on Razball. And then how many steals? 14. And this is an 136 game. So if you want to assume he gets full playing time, maybe 145, you could probably bring that up to like 18, 16. Yeah, see, I, I think that he has legitimate 20 homer pop. And I think that he could steal 20 bags. If he's given 136 games, I think that he gets to those numbers. I'm not sure that uh, the batting average is great, but he has really good contacts. This guy with a, with a, you know, close to a six hit tool. I think there's some questions at times with swing and miss. He can get overly aggressive. I know that, you know, if you look at the numbers, particularly in Colorado Springs last year, um, <laughs> a little he was just, he was hitting everything. He was seeing beach balls and it was one of those things. He was so locked in that he didn't really have to wait for his pitch because everything was his pitch. He was taking advantage of the good environment. He also had a bit of a disjointed season. I believe he had a dislocated finger to start the year and missed about a month, came back in May, really raked when he was at Colorado Springs. They brought him up to the Brewers. You know, obviously he didn't hit all that well, came back down, came back, back up, didn't hit well, hit a little bit more, but some of the underlying numbers, exit velocities, that he's expected Woba isn't bad. Um, there's some underlying stuff there that tells me good contact, the skills are there, the speed is there, and he's in an op- he has an opportunity in uh, Miami to potentially play every single day, potentially from day one. And I think that adds to his projections, and he has the wheels and athletic ability that there's a lot, there's a big ceiling. I think the floor is a lot higher than a lot of other people do, which is why I think he's a borderline, you know, top 10 prospect. You could have him as high as maybe even like eight. And I would probably be like, okay, that seems reasonable. Um, I like Brinson a lot. I've seen him as low as 23. I think that's a bit low for um, how close he is to the majors and just the all around skill set. Good athlete. He's shown approach at, at certain points. I don't think he has, you know, poor pitch recognition skills whatsoever. And uh, he has legitimate power and legitimate speed. Yeah, I agree with that. I think I have him inside my top 15. There's a lot of ways I could kind of dig into what I've seen with him in the past and where I project him going out. But for me, one of the things that stands out most importantly is the fact that when you're looking at any top prospect list and you're going through like the top 25, I think the term five tool is probably used a little bit too much and just in general Mm -hmm. around five tools. Brinson, for me, is one of the true, true, true five-tool guys. Agreed. Where he has legitimate discernible tools in each of the categories that you toss on the five-tool window. And, you know, you could make the argument, or Acuna, of course, is the one I kind of put him in his own tier, whatever. He's five-tools yeah. to me. But, <laughs> like, Tucker, is. you got Tucker, Aloy Jimenez. you got a couple of these other guys that linger around that window for me where you're projecting out one of the other tools, and it kind of brings that down. It turns into more of a four-tool. You really hope you could get to five, but you kind of deep down know it never gets to five. But at the same time, you still invest because, you know, they have two discernible tools and you love those two tools. But Brinson has those pure five tools to me, and that's what stands out to me. From a mechanical perspective, for him, I feel like this is a guy where it's not a finished product. And I know I mentioned this in the past on other podcasts with certain guys where from what I've seen and how much they've tinkered in the last two years with his swing, and I know this is between organizations too, so actually one of the higher level themes are off on this list is just – I'm really interested to see what the Marlins do developmentally with all these assets they got. Because they have a lot of guys here who other systems have tinkered with. And I'm interested to see what exactly the Marlins do with tinkering with Monty Harrison and Isan Diaz and some of these other guys. It's it's insane to me. Like, you're, you know, they're taking a lot of other assets. And I don't know, like, I'm very interested in just the thought process around the minor league development, the player development side of this, where they get a guy like Harrison over. Like, I, I'm, I would love to sit in the room on those conversations when they're breaking down, like, what to do, what the path for development should be with a guy like Monty Harrison. And, I mean, I think that applies to Brinson because he's up in the major league now. I know the proximity's there, but 
overall, there's still a lot of adjustment, I think, that needs to go on for him to get to a higher level. This is one of the reasons why I have him so high is because right now he's a decent player. And the, I mean, the stats aren't unbelievable. They're not otherworldly, but they're there. And, they're you know, that's 15-15 with a, not a sub-250 average. You know, I think he could end up getting like 260-265. ish 265. As you're saying, 2020, I think that'd be a hell of a season for him this year. But yeah, they've tinkered with him a lot. I mean, the, excuse me, the Brewers did. I, I, I say that because he was a Brewer, obviously, before he got shipped for Yelich. Um, you know, he was in a little bit more of a, of a leg kick um, in the past, or excuse me, other way around. He's actually a little bit smaller of a stride. He's had his hands up pretty high when he was back in, in the Texas organization. And when he jumped to the Brewers, they kind of brought him a little bit over. They closed him off a little bit. They actually made him a little bit even like hunched over at the plate. Um, mm. But the thing that I think is most interesting about that is that for me is was the Brewers saying he has unbelievable hands and unbelievable bat speed. So let's Here get him go. to crowd the plate a little bit and just throw his hands at those inside pitches and really get to him. And that's shown up. And I think that kind of drives up the K rate a little bit when he comes up to the major leagues because it's tough to be in that young to control the inside part of the zone that well. But I mean, overall, for me, I, I really like that adjustment. I think that that's an investment on the Brewers side in his bat speed. And at the end of the day, that showed up the major league level two. Um, minimum 30 batted ball events. I was looking at some baseball savant data, which we don't really get to too much because a lot of these guys don't have that data because of minor leaguers, et cetera. But Brinson was in the one of 34 players to average above 90 miles per hour on a batted ball on the average exit velocity for batted balls. So he's hitting the mm-hmm. ball hard. And that's kind of where I kind of backtracked and, and backed my way into saying that I think they're having him crowd the plate a little bit and get in there and really just turn on those inside pitches and use his hands and then extend the other way. Um, I like what they're doing. I think developmentally, though, this is it's – it's not a finished product. That's what I think everyone has to admit. And that, I mean, you're saying he's low as, as low as 23 on some lists. Like, yeah, I get it. But I mean, you're saying that he is what he is right now and that you don't expect any change. And that's really tough for me. That's why I kind of like him up a little bit more on prospect lists because he's there right now. I know that the ratios aren't unbelievable, but I mm. sense a lot of change coming. And I, man, I, I'm really interested. I'm, I'm very interested in this Marlin system and how they develop guys. Yeah. And he's not a guy that had like a 30% strikeout rate, you know, in the upper minors or anything like that. And, and, you know, I think, I think there's some fatigue with him because he's been around so long, you know, as a guy that was a prep product and he's 24 now. So Mm -hmm. that wears on people, you know, and I think they look at that number. If he's 22 years old with these skills at the same point, uh, he might be, you know, bumped up even higher. So, you know, you know, progression in terms of uh, development is not a straight line. I think we always hear that. Time is a flat circle. All those good <laughs> cliche lines that come from HBO shows. But yeah, I don't know, man. I, I like Brinson. Um, what do you think? Should we should we get into some Monty Harrison? Monty Harrison, the, the first line I have in my notes, Ralph, is this is the athlete who figures it out. And I, I think that we often talk about a lot of other athletes on lists. I know, man, this yeah. applies to so many guys that I feel like we could go through. We could go back in each pod and pick out probably one or two on each list that were like, yeah, this guy's an athlete. Gronk with a bat. You remember that from the Indians pod? Was that Will Benson or something? Grew up with the bad, yeah. He's an athlete no. who hasn't figured yeah, it, it out Will yet. Benson. But but Harrison is the guy who has figured it out. And I think he's another guy. I have a theory about the Marlins, so I want to broach this now early in the pod. I think what the Marlins are doing are is buying in on like bat speed overall, just as a concept and mm-hmm. tying that yes. back to exit velocity. And I think they've kind of done this with their top three guys here in Monte Harrison, Lewis Brinson, and Isan Diaz. Well, all guys with legit power tools. Well, I could see at the major league level hitting 25 home runs at any point you know, in their career, even if it's not a peak value. Um, 
yeah, Harrison is is a daunting presence at the plate. He's a big guy and uh, he's very aggressive. I, I like his swing overall, what they've done to it. It's not a lot of lower body, which is obviously something I think they could kind of work on a little bit. I think he was a little bit more upper body and they actually just got him straight up into his shoulders and mm. he kind of throws his bat at the ball sometimes. But again, the bat speed, he hits the ball so hard. Oh man, I was watching some tape and he scorches balls. He's like a little bit like Dylan Peters from the uh, the, the Wilson Caraman pod on the Dodgers we were talking about. Yeah, um, that's kind of where I sense kind of that's pure athleticism. And uh, what do you think about Monty overall, Ralph? Yeah, I think he hit the nail on the head. You know, he's an athlete with a bat kind of a guy. And I think it's funny. I, I was thinking about it as you know, I was preparing for this podcast and sort of freshening it up on on all my. Uh, Brewers and, and I guess now Marlins notes yeah, with yeah. The, the top of the system. Transplants. And one of the things that I thought I sort of thought was this guy is sort of like the American version of a Cuban player where they have like all these really loud across the board tools and then a really long swing. He's got approach like a Yoan Moncada might or we hear about Louis Robert, you know, where he has that approach to the plate. But he's also prone to strikeouts because of how how long the swing is, and I think that he's kind of like a similar player. You know, great athlete. This guy could have played Division One college football. I believe he comes from a, a football family. There might be NFL or at least Division One uh, bloodline somewhere ac- uh, across the board. His brother's but... a basketball player for the Suns. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I saw uh, he tweeted something out the other day. Actually, he cited his he said something about his big bro. I, I don't follow basketball, especially Suns basketball, because I'm sure it's not that good. No offense to any Phoenix Suns fans out there, but uh, I'm pretty sure his brother is a basketball player. Um, huh. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it, I mean you can tell it runs in the it runs in the bloodline. <laughs> Wouldn't be yeah. shocked if his parents were were up there in the athlete circles as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you know he shows that plate approach. As I said, he's prone to strikeout, but you know ultimately there's power, there's speed here. I think there might be a little bit more speed um, than than Brinson, and interesting. I think that with the power, oh, excuse me, I meant to say that Brinson has a little bit more speed okay, than, than Harrison okay, does, and I think and I think that Harrison ultimately um, develops more power, but I don't think he necessarily has more power than Brinson at the moment. And I think a lot of that is just him continually figuring out. This guy was injured throughout the beginning of his career. Last year was really one of the first full years that he's ever had. And it's a point that's been made by a few people, Baseball America and, and other sources as well. This is a guy that just needs at bats. And I think ultimately that's what he got last year. He got yeah. some experience. He was able to tinker with it. We know that athleticism allows you to make those changes and adapt them uh, more easily than folks that, you know, maybe are you know more grit and uh, skill than necessarily athletic ability. And there's a lot of those guys in baseball too. Um, but you know, if he puts in the work and it seems like he does, I know these, he's a Cressy guy. I have a buddy who works out at Cressy. They're you know, one of their facilities right down the road from us in Massachusetts. I don't know if you realize that one of the top, yeah. One of the top baseball uh, training facilities. You should have seen some of the off off season video. This guy was, was doing just, you know, like these, these crab walks and crawls <laughs> and one handed things. And like just, you know, insane core strength. One of the things he wanted to add was flexibility and pliability um, to add good. a little bit more yeah. speed you know, and, and just to, you know, add some more of that core strength, like you said, bat speed, it's all there. I just think it's a matter of, can he hit enough, make enough contact, you know, keep his strikeouts in check enough that he continues to progress and ultimately hits the ceiling. And if he does, that's a really exciting outfield they're going to have there with, uh, with Brinson and, and, uh, oh Harrison, God, whoever man. they decide to fill in for the third guy. I don't, I don't know if, uh, if, uh, Cameron Maven's still going to be alive at that point, but I guess there's a chance. 
Uh, you never know. He fits that mold of a speed pop, uh, even though Maven's probably deteriorated a lot. But I agree with you. And I, you apply it to so many guys, too. So many guys like Harrison where we're looking at that. How, how sure. bad is the contact tool? You know, at when he gets to his kind of plateau at age 27 to 29 or whatever you want to call the plateau for the average aging curve, like, what is the strikeout rate? You know, and that's the biggest thing because it was pretty high. I think it was around 27%-ish, I want to say, in the lower minors. Yeah, high A with the Brewers, he was 27%. He really didn't take too many walks, which is relatively concerning, especially because it's fluctuated. I saw it up around 10%, I think, when he was in A-ball with the Brewers, and that that kicked down to 6 So it's like you're trying to kind of figure out where his approach is. I wonder if that's just more of, you know, the Brewers trying to tinker with some different approaches for him, asking him to do certain things as opposed to him actually just going up there and being the best hitter he can be, etc. But... Yeah, that's the question. He applies to a ton of guys, you know, but the improvements he's shown to me encourage me a ton in projecting him out and having a little more faith in him. Um, I like him a bit. I, I think as far as these athlete prospects go that are still below double A, I guess you could categorize them all as like, you know, Helio Ramos and some of these other guys, or I think it's Helio Ramos, actually. I got corrected the other day on that. So um, Helio Ramos from the, the Giants. There's a lot of guys like that. You just, you really hope they figure it out because, man, they're going to be fun if they do. And Harrison's up there for me. Um, I'm going to give this number three to you because this is one of your boys here. Um, yes. I, I think I diverge a little bit from you on the opinion side here, but I'm going to let you do the spiel on, on Jorge Guzman here. You, you have him number three on your list, Ralph. Uh, I'm going to open the floor. Um, this, is, this is all you, man. All you. Sure. So I like Guzman for uh, a multitude of reasons, but uh, not, a, not a huge lefty, but he's, he's sort of long and, and he's listed at like 182, but I think if you look at him uh, – He's six two, probably like two ten, and he's not fat. You know, he's he's strong, relatively easy velocity. I think the mechanics to me are are funky, but you know, he he gets his his arm sort of straight. He's straight on with a plate. He's just sort of crouched down um, when he pushes off. Maybe he could get a little bit more drive from his legs, but he hits a hundred miles an hour consistently. He had one of the highest uh, consistent fastball velocities of anybody in all of baseball last season, you know, Michael Kopech included, I think he actually averaged more on the fastball velocity than Luis Severino did. Um, it's an 80 grade fastball. It's got some tilt. It's got some sink to it. Um, you got a nice slider. His changeups come along. He doesn't throw it as much as the slider. He misses a ton of bats. You know, I, I think he's, I think he's pretty impressive. And I think he's a guy that has front of the rotation upside, um, I guess the downside is that he's maybe a, a back of the rotation bullpen arm, but um, I, I do think that he's a, a player that can shoot up lists this year with another good performance. He was really good in the New York Penn League. Um, the numbers were good across the board. Doesn't walk a lot of guys. The control's good, especially for a guy who has stuff that's as funky as he has. Um, but Lance, why don't you uh, put me in check now? <laughs> <laughs> so this is, I know I'm like the Guzman guy. You are. No, I, it's fair. And I think that you make some very valid points there that I, I, I do admit to, you know, because when you have stats like this and you're looking at stats like this at a guy, and at the end of the day, you don't like him as I do. I, I have him outside of my top 100. So I think that's somewhat of a sell on him, I would say, for what I've seen him on a lot of other lists. Um, it's really, really mechanical for me. I, I really don't like, and I, I've, I've read about this a little bit, and I've, I've listened to some other opinions on it, et cetera, and kind of ascertained my own thoughts and kind of built them up. But I think that he has some issues in his lower half. But with a lot of guys, what I think they could do is get into the lower half more, and you could project that out and go, okay, if he puts on a little more weight, he can extend a little bit more. Get his get his trunk tilted a little bit more forward, take some pressure off the arm. But with Guzman, I think it's almost fundamental in how he throws that it's going to be very tough for him to adjust. 
And this is my problem because it's funky on the mechanic side. He's a little bit hunched over. He doesn't extend fantastic. And he doesn't separate well either. And that's the biggest thing for me. A guy like Dylan Cease actually separates unbelievably. And he doesn't extend a ton. But when he separates, it takes a lot of that weight off his arm. A lot of pressure, excuse me, not weight. It takes a lot of pressure off the arm and how he's throwing. And and that's like, I, I could buy into it if he ends up with more of a Cease frame. But with Guzman's mechanics overall, it's... For me, he's a scout-dependent player. I think that that's what I want to put it as because it's really you either like him or you don't. I don't really think there's a middle ground for it because if you like him, then you believe that the mechanics are fine and that you don't see as much of an issue with him. Or you could believe in like the reliever floor, which again, a very good point you made. I think I'm completely fine with that. If he's a, if he's a high leverage reliever and they can't stretch him out into an insane amount of innings because of the mechanics and some issues, etc., like I'm fine with that. Like you could definitely invest in that, but. I, I just I'm worried about where this develops into as he gets into higher levels. And I mean the knocks against this argument that I'm making are one, it's an unbelievable fastball, two, it's a very, very good slider, and three, and most impressively for me, that stands out and counters and made me double kind of double back on what I'm saying a couple times in my thought process around it, is the fact that he's got really good control. Usually when you see guys with really mm. funky control like this, the con- or excuse me, funky mechanics like this, the control is bonkers or it's not really good. You like Riley Pint, he's a guy who mm. is he's got wacky, wacky mechanics. Like I know that a lot of people say he's large and extends really well. Those are funky mechanics. Like, you break that kid down, they're weird, you know? And he's got terrible control. He has no control at all. But Guzman has control, and I I like that about him. Like, if anything, I think that's what kind of saves him. And maybe the mechanics are just funky enough where they're his, they're his own, and Mm. he can kind of play out with those. But... That's kind of where I'm feeling. I just, it's really a personal thing for me. I think I'm going back to the phrase that I mentioned earlier with him. It's a scout dependent player. You either yeah. like him or you don't. If you like him, you're projecting on mechanics. You're fine with him. If you don't, you're selling on the mechanics. I'm selling on the mechanics, unfortunately. That's fine. Yeah. I, I, the thing with me is, as I kept breaking, cause it's, it's funky when you watch it and I mm-hmm. write about it in, in my post on him. And I say that it's pretty clean because like when you break him down, the thing that I like is he's consistently square on. Like there's a video, I think that's, uh, Chris Mitchell, formerly a Fangraphs, put it out there, right? I, I'm not he, sure. He I th- yeah, that sounds really familiar. I think you're right. I think you're right. That's but anyway, yeah. Uh, but anyway, so he's got a video there. It's five minutes. It's every pitch from a start. And if you consistently stop, like right as he's about to deliver when his plant foot comes down, he's like spot on with the same spot every time. And his arm, and his arm at that point is pretty consistent. You know, he's his torso straight on with a plate. Like he's not he, like that's the part of the mechanics I worry about the most. Like, where is the arm? Like how much strain is there there? You know, I think it's elevated a little bit over other guys. And that's my problem. Like the thing with him and that I think a lot of people project out that change up for is he's got really good arm speed, but he has a good arm speed because, because of everything else that goes on because he doesn't extend to what he doesn't separate too well. His arm speed has to be good for him to get to a hundred and have an 80 grade fastball. He actually reminds me a little bit of another Yankee who I'm pretty high on. I know Chris Kusilek, a scout that I really like following on Twitter, um, Cali Kuselak, I think is his hit Twitter handle, really yeah. likes Albert Abreu from the Yankees. He has crazy, crazy, crazy arm speed. He is like one of those guys where you watch it and it's just, you project out that changeup and you're just in love with the future potential of a kid like that. And he kind of reminds me in, in frame-wise, Jorge Guzman of Albert Abreu a little bit and how they throw. And I guess that, that kind of is working for him, but I think that Abreu's mechanics are cleaner. So I believe I have Abreu above Guzman. I also have Sandy Alcantara above Guzman. So huh. it might be a weird blend of me selling and buying, but um, we don't have to jump into Alcantara for a bit. But I don't know if we have more to say on and Guzman. And I like him more now. I think now. we're just on other f- sides of the fence here. But 
It's yeah, fair. I like, yeah, I, I'd I, love totally, to see him I totally understand it. I think I'm probably one of the one of the higher guys on Guzman, but I know some people that, you know, that saw Guzman last year and I started digging in on him more and more. And there's some tape that came out and I just sort of, as I was doing my last top 100 at the end of the season, I sort of just fell in love with the guy, yeah. you know? And you can't uh, deny the stats. Like you got to take yeah, that. It's and, really tough to debate against the stats too. Like they're really good. Like he dominated Staten Island. Like I, I, I can't, I can't debate that. Honestly, I'm, I'm punting on other things, but I think mm. that I, I like your love for him. I like when we deviate on guys like this. I think that we both have a really good case here. It's for people listening. Like you got to pick a side. Honestly, you can't go in the yeah, middle. Yeah, I think no, it's just no, sometimes no teetering. <laughs> sometimes it doesn't look right, and I think I think that's what throws people off. Like it, it, this is a bad analogy because it's from hockey, but it kind of reminds me of the former goalie from the Bruins, Tim Thomas, who oh, was like Timmy, great yeah. for a few years. Sure. But he but he wasn't like your typical beautiful like butterfly style mm. goalie that dropped down at the cat level and all sorts of stuff. He was funky, but he got the job done. And ultimately that's what it comes down to. And I think that's what it is with Guzman. And so far, knock on whatever wood I have around, he hasn't been injured, hasn't <laughs> had any arm issues like Dylan Cease. So good for him. Fair. That's fair, actually. It's <laughs> a very good point. Going back to my Cease account there. Yeah. Um so how about some Isan Diaz, actually? This Oof. is a guy, so Isan, I think it's Isan. I don't think it's Isan. I don't know. I heard some some announcers say Isan to him, so I'm going to call yeah, him Isan. Um, it's Isan Diaz. Is he, is he from Massachusetts? Am I wrong? He, so, uh, yeah, he grew, up, he grew up in Springfield. Oh, no uh, way. He was born in Puerto Rico and then maybe moved here when he was like eight, seven, eight years old. Huh. Interesting. I, I'm a huge fan of him, honestly. I, I followed him actually a bit when he was back on the Brewers, and I remember when this package got released for uh, for Yelich. I was I was not relatively surprised to see him go over, but he was one of the pieces that I don't think was highlighted enough because I really like his skill set, and especially on the fantasy side, I think his skill set is fantastic for mm-hmm. a fantasy asset. This is one of those guys who the maybe the the war value of the guy isn't good but he's gonna be he's gonna deviate like he's gonna be a guy who produces on the fantasy side of things maybe doesn't prove too much in real life it's because he's a second baseman who gets stuck at second base he's not going anywhere he's not gonna go to dh he's got an okay glove etc and he can hit he can hit really well and he's got some pop and he's shown mm-hmm. this pop at multiple levels i don't think it's going anywhere this kind of ties back to what I was saying about them buying bat speed he's has bat speed he's always gonna have oh, bat yeah. speed and the lazy 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 comp here that I actually dug into a bit. Robinson Cano is, is the clear aesthetic comp for him. But he gets a lot of those. He gets a lot of it. And actually, I, I heard he gets a lot of it, and then I heard it's not the greatest comp. And then I actually watched some tape side by side. It is eerily similar in their motions. And I know it's not the thing like Cano succeeded because he's got very, very good contact ability. Isan Diaz's contact ability is probably a little more wavering. It's never going to get to Cano's level. Like that is where it deviates. So if you're just saying Isan is, has the ceiling of Robinson Cano, I, I, it's no way. It's not that. It's more like a, I don't, I don't know about a, a comp. Like a, I can't even think of a comp right now. But I, as far as comping swing to swing, Cano to Isan, it's funky. It's almost exactly the same. Like if you break these two guys down side by side, I was actually really surprised at how similar their bat path is, how they load, how they kind of close off. They have like a weird double pump from the left side with their bat and they go back kind of into the same load with their hands. And I'm, I was kind of surprised at how one for one it was. And uh, I guess it can't be a bad thing, but I mean, again, the contact ability is not the same as Cano. So you got to reserve for that. Um, He's 21 years old. He had some time in A-ball, and as I mentioned, the Ks were in that 26% range, but the approach is good. So he, he's got some contact problems, but it's not breaking ball recognition problems from my perspective. Walking around 13%, um, that's kind of what I ascertained out of all this. So 
I might be right on that. But he's been traded a few times. Um, I, I'm interested. I, I'm an investor. I think I have him in our uh, real fake Dynasty League, Ralph. I snagged him. I was, I was happy. He, he hung around because I, I like him in OBP leagues a lot. I think he can end up posting like a 320 OBP even if the la- average is low. Um, fantasy guy for sure. I think this is a guy that if you're in a league and you're looking for a bat late, uh, I'd absolutely target him because I think at the end of the day, he ends up playing at the major league level. And even if it's not stud potential, I think it's valuable. And he could, he could walk into some 25 home run seasons at second base. I, there's, you're going to want that in a draft, I think. Hmm. And I'm just going to bring up, you bring up a great point. I think you described him to a T. I don't have to go on and on. I've written, written about Diaz quite a bit. Had him inside top 100 list dating back as early as last season. And uh, one of the things I do want to bring up is you got to look beyond the numbers with Diaz. If you look at his first season, he really struggled in his first month and a half in full season ball. Uh, once he sort of settled in, the numbers were phenomenal in the second half. We're actually probably the last uh, three quarters of the season in 2016. He had a Hammett uh, injury, broken Hammett in, you know. Uh, Didn't so, mention that. That's a good point. <laughs> which is which is a, a big issue, I think, with this hitting this year and why he struggled with some of the injury-related stuff. The ability is there. If he can have a, a full, healthy season, um, he's also still very, I mean, what is he, 22? 21. 22, 21. 21? Oh, yeah, he turns 22 in May. So for some reason, I thought he was an early January, February birthday. But no, he's a May guy. So still only 21 years old. So he's entering the season at age 21. Uh, He's, you know, touched what, double A or high A? High A. Uh, High A. I think think he, I want to see he got playoff time at double A, but maybe Maybe. I'm wrong. I could be wrong. But either way, he's, you know, he's probably going to touch double A. He's not all that far off from the major leagues, in my opinion, especially in an organization like Miami, where they might push these guys and be a little bit more aggressive to sort of show what they've gotten for some of the big names that they have <laughs> and potentially try to Fans get something seats. together, get these. Yeah. Why not? Why not have them, you know, have like a, you know, like an 89 Braves year or something where they're just sort of learning on the job and figuring <laughs> I, things I'd out in the major that. leagues. If, if yeah, you, if I, you I would me. too. And I think it's more intriguing, but, it, but even beyond that lefty power that this guy has in the middle infield, that's rare. I like it. There's a little bit of speed. I do think that's going to go away after a while. Um, but overall the numbers should be pretty good. Batting average is probably never going to be great because he does strike out a little bit. Uh, you know, is is prone, you know, is prone to sort of miss on some stuff. I know a lot of the stuff that he was missing on was actually in the zone last year. Once again, I'm gonna I'm gonna write off some of that because of the Hammond injury. I think that he can rebound this year. And overall, I, I like the pact with Isan Diaz. He's he's long been one of my boys. I think if you get, tell me Brinson, Harrison, and Isan Diaz are in a lineup on a given day, I'd probably put that game on for like the top of the order. Like this, that's kind of a prospect lover's dream, honestly. Like it's I know they're fun. all former Brewers, but but I kind of like them. I like them all. I'd, I'd put that on a couple bombs. You never know. I like it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, totally agree. So you're a former, you're a card. I was going to say a ah, former Cardinals fan, but you're still always, a Cardinals always. fan. <laughs> We're going into Sandy so, uh, now. Why don't you talk to me about Sandy, one of your former boys? So yeah. you you watch this guy at the major league level. Um, I'm sure you follow this career somewhat as you know one of the more enticing arms in the Cardinals system outside of, of course, Alex Reyes yep. or Luke Weaver. They have a bunch of them. So they have a bunch of them. Obviously got dealt. Um, what are you thinking this year? He looked pretty good in the spring training debut, talking about uh, some spring games and guys showing something early. Absolutely, yeah. I actually remember watching him a while back. I want to say maybe two years ago. I'm not sure when he first got his spring invite to camp. I want to say that was prior to the 2016 season. I actually remember watching him for the first time, and in the Cardinals system, he was kind of known as the big fastball guy. This is really all he had. It wasn't 
a really fantastic fastball. Like it wasn't one of these 80 grade fastballs you see in guys like Tanner Scott and some other random guys where it's just unbelievable movement from, from command side movement, et cetera. His was more like straight velocity. And uh, it was one of those things where I, I remember watching him for the first time and I enjoyed it. And I understood as a Cardinal fan that he was really young and I was really interested to see where he go- he went just developmentally with us because the Cardinals, I have always kind of developed these guys. They develop Weaver. Even Jack Flaherty. I was watching him in spring the other day speaking of prospects. I still like Jack Jack Flaherty a lot. His slider is a really, really good pitch. He was locking up Chris Davis and a couple other guys. Like, that's a really good pitch. He spots that beautifully. It's just a matter of everything else. Um, not, I don't mean to go on a Jack Flaherty bench here, but but Alcantara, I, the thing for me when I saw at the major league level for him working out of the pen, he, got, he only got, I think, like eight innings. Um, but I watched, I think, actually a bit of him in Springfield in A in the Cardinals, and you know, the, the K's have fluctuated a bit. Um, the control has never really been there, which has always been the problem. And that's probably the most confusing part for me because I actually think his mechanics are relatively clean. He's a really tall, wiry guy. Um, mm. He finishes pretty low, and, he, it, and I, I like it overall. It's pretty clean. I'm interested, you know, why. I'd actually be really interested in a scout perspective on why his command isn't fantastic. I, I don't know if it's really a frame issue. Usually some of these taller guys have issues. Glass now, you see this with a lot. I always like glass now, but he's got really bad command issues because he's trying to corral everything in his body. Guys were six six that big. It's tough to get everything in sync, and that's something, obviously, I think a lot of people kind of overlook in taller guys with bad command. But when they figure that out, I mean, the strikeouts were there, and especially at the major league level, and I think that t- tells you a little bit about his stuff overall. He's got um, a sinker fastball. I think he's curveball change, too or slider change, excuse me, and he threw the change up at about 13% per fan graphs last year, even if it was, except only eatings, the major league level. I like the fact that he was featuring that, and I've kind of always been on him, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close this off before passing it back to you, and I know you've kind of, your stock in him has gone up, Ralph, but him going to Miami is the absolute best thing that could have happened to his career, and I will always stand by that, because they have all the reason in the world to expand him out as a starting pitcher. They have all the reason in the world to get him to use that changeup as a field pitch. A field pitch, we see so many guys who just don't get reps with it and get pushed to the pen. Sandy has a spot. They got like three spots open in that rotation. I see no reason why he doesn't grab one of those. Even if he gets lit up, the developmental side for him, throwing that changeup a ton, he's 22 still. It's like I, I really like him. I really like him as like a weird buy low on a guy mm. that you just, you got to give him reps. And we were talking about this with Harrison. I think you alluded to a little bit. You just got to give him reps. Like that's what a lot of these guys in this system need is reps. And there's no better team right now to get reps on than the Marlins. And I, it sounds really weird because they're going to suck this year, but I'd love to see like a pseudo Braves team from the, from the years past. Just let these guys play, like get them reps. I think that's invaluable. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think the other thing I want to bring up on uh, Alcantara is the Cardinals kind of messed with him a little bit last year and they had uh, transitioned him from more of a fastball uh, curveball change guy. They worked in a slider, yes, had him yes. throw that a little bit uh-huh. more. Uh, he didn't get as much up. swing, swing and misses on the slider. And I think that's, that's a big problem with sort of what his results were last year. I've heard that he's going back more to the curveball. I've always liked his curveball, And as you said, I think if he can develop that change up and maybe use that slider as, as a, you know, maybe it's more effective versus lefties or righties. I'd have to look at it to be honest. I haven't, I haven't, you know, invested enough time to know if it's effective one way or the other. Um, that maybe he can use that as like an extra tool in the belt, just another pitch that he has some feel for. It's nice to see that he can make an adjustment like that and apply it to his game. Maybe it didn't work out all that well, but he didn't have a seven ERA either, I guess, uh, at least across the entire season. So I do like Alcantara. I think he's, you know, you can see the athleticism in his delivery. It's not perfect. He falls off a lot. Yeah. Um, but when he has it all working, the stuff is there. 
I think as this guy matures, if he can really hone his mechanics and get very clean with repeating everything all the time, getting that 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 curveball where it needs to be and just understanding how he needs to sequence his stuff and eventually polishing up that changeup, he really has like front of the rotation sort of upside and stuff. Like he has that sort of look that if it all maxes out, it's right there. He's got a great ballpark for that. And he's got the kind of fastball that rises a little bit that I think that he'd be great challenging guys up and in, you know, with that thing. And he could be really effective, get a lot of swings and misses with it. So I just think it's a matter of him sequencing differently um, and maybe just being more focused on being a starter, studying everything and, and not just sort of, you know, sticking with the, uh, the slider reliever mentality that looks like the Cardinals were going to mold them into because they had so, so many staff, starters. Yeah. They, that's really the role that he fit in that organization. But speaking of our organization, you know, who fits our role as number one sponsor who Rotoware and rotoware.com. <laughs> that's Kenneth Cashman at Kenneth underscore Cashman at Rotoware, rotoware.com. Use promo code Sagnoff to get 20% off all the new designs that he's putting out there. He has a brand new t-shirt that he just released this week. I think it's the last of his new line uh, for baseball 2018. And it's kind of like the iconic New York City t-shirt that John Lennon's wearing in that picture that people see of all the time posters, black and white in the college dormitories or your girlfriend that you broke up with after a couple of weeks. <laughs> it's, it's that t-shirt only it says exit velocity or exit velo city. Really awesome design. That's to back up the 80 grade, uh, the design that he had the week before the prospect stash design, the crab army limited edition shirt that I'm wearing right now as we're recording. Lance can back me up. This yes, is yes. no lie. I'm wearing it. I have a road wear shirt every single day of the week. They're my favorite shirts to just wear when I'm hanging around the house. I work out in them. They're perfect. Cause they don't, you know, sop up all your sweat. They bead. Well, they breathe nicely. You can wear them out to a bar as my man help used to say, Lance, <laughs> What do you have to say about Rotoware? I think I've said everything I possibly could. You know, I got to say, he's had unbelievable designs on. I, I love the Exit Velo City one. I think that's sick. I, I might actually scoop one of them. I love trolling the Cubs, too, as a Cardinals fan with fly the quality start. Um, oh, yeah, I don't even know. Like, it's not even a knock on the Cubs. Like, Cubs are a fun team to watch, whatever you want. But <laughs> that's, a, that's a cool shirt there. But you got to admit, everything, when you go back on Rotoware.com and you go to all his older shirts, I forgot how many of those, how many of these I love. Like the Run DMC, he has the Run DFS shirt. I love that one. He's got the No Auto Draft one. He's got Process Results, little homage. I, I don't even know if that's an homage to Hinky at all from the Sixers, but whatever. Draft Slayer, which I love at being an old metal fan from my high school days. Continuously Mock Draft. He's got King in the Standings for the Thrones fans. Waiver Wire Warrior, My Bench, Your Starters, Sleepers. And the Slurpees logo. He's got Roto, Roto God. It's, it's endless. The, uh, the Commissioner 2 is another fantastic one. Uh, man, ALNO with the ACDC logo. I could go on and on and on. Um, unbelievable designs, Kenny. I, I, we commend you for everything you come out with. And he's a hell of a follow on Twitter, too, with what he puts mm. out in some of his designs. I'm always impressed. And Sagnoff is the promo code 20% off, S-A-G-N-O-F. Um, get yourself a couple shirts. I see no excuses. No excuses to not buy a shirt and use that promo code. And I think someone – I got to give a shout-out to someone who – I don't even – so you can't give a shout-out without knowing who it is. But someone said they used their promo code to buy a shirt the other day. Um, I'm going to – you got you to gotta fill some time. I'm going to try to find his name and shout him out. But, uh, but yeah, definitely do it. Support him. And I love it. I'm a big fan of RotoWare. Well, while Lance tries to figure out uh, who it was <laughs> that was that was shotting out the, the promo code, was it Brandon Myers? I feel like it was uh, somebody it from the real, fake, yeah, yeah, yeah. the real fake baseball right. league. But shout out to Brian Myers. Shout anyway. out, yeah, yeah. Even yeah, if he doing, didn't buy anything, shout out. <laughs> yeah, doing some good work. 
There you go, Brandon. Uh, anyway, you know who I do want to talk about is uh, Brian Anderson. Talk yeah. about plain Jane names. Yeah. Brian Anderson. I think there's been a thousand Brian Andersons, right? He's one of those guys. I don't know if you do this, Ralph. When you, when you get a weird name like Brian Miller on this list, when you type this in on like anything, you're trying to search for stats or video, you just get like anything else. You never get the guy you're looking for. You you know, like, like I, don't, some, I think I got like a country singer for Brian Anderson. I was like, that's not I, Marlins. I got to type in Marlins. You know, I'm like, getting you, like LinkedIn profiles. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you type in Lewis Brinson on YouTube, you're going to get the Milwaukee tape of him, you know, et cetera. But you yeah. type in Brian Anderson. I don't know what you're going to get. I whatever, but, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I got to plug the, uh, the CBS and only auction league I was in that I won last year. <laughs> and, uh, I grabbed Brian Anderson, um, in it and I paid, I think eight bucks. I want to say for him and NL only. And I was a little bit disappointed to hear that. Uh, I don't remember who released it from the reporting side for, is it Miami Herald down there? Uh, Miami, Miami sun, Miami Herald, something like that. I don't know. One or the other, the they Miami said, Sentinel Times? Sentinel. That's it. Yeah. It's a weird one like that. The Sentinel, I think someone from there released that, uh, someone said he's behind Prado on the depth chart, which I was like, ah, that's a bummer. Cause I paid some money for him. And I'm really hoping he gets a starting job. And he's another guy. Just, you gotta get him reps. I don't know where the upside is compared to some of the other guys that we've talked about with Harrison, et cetera. And he's on, but I, he's kind of relevant. He's, he's interesting overall. Like I kind of like what they've done with this swing. Um, he, I was watching some tape of him back in the AFL and he actually was a little bit smaller on the leg kick side of things. He's gotten into that leg kick a bit more. And for me, that seems to be the biggest change overall. And it's probably given him more on the pop side, but I think he might be caught up as far as breaking balls go. And I think this is where the upside is limited with him, especially because he seems to have a relatively stable stance. It doesn't seem to be something that like, you know, I was talking about Brinson is a guy I think could really change and what they do with him. He can end up looking like a very different hitter in a couple of years. I feel like Brian Anderson's kind of going to always be this, this mold of what he is where he's getting into the ball pretty hard. He's swinging pretty hard, but he's missing a lot. He's going to have some holes. They're going to be tough to fix in his swing. Um, yeah, it's an interesting super, even in redraft, like deep, deep redraft. Like we were just talking pre-pod here that Ralph's doing NFBC draft and hold. Yeah, Anderson's like a kind of interesting guy. Like if you don't have any confidence in Prada coming back and being healthy, like they really don't have too many other people to slot in at third base. Dietrich could play a little third, I think. But I, I mean, Brian Anderson's relatively interesting to me. I liked him in NL only, and I really hope that maybe it's not as true that he's behind Martin Prada, so to speak. But give me your thoughts on, on Brian Anderson here, Ralph. And, and even if he's behind Prado, it's probably because they want to be able to move Prado. So they might show Prado off for like two months and, you know, then Anderson slides in. thing that I like about Anderson is I think his floor is high for the reason that we usually say catcher's floor is high is his defense is going to keep him in the major leagues. And I think it's going to give him an opportunity. Footwork is really, really good. Whenever I watch this guy, he runs pretty well in the box. Like I'm, I'm always surprised at how athletic, Brian Anderson is because I feel like he should be with that name and like the statistics <laughs> kind of like a lumbering corner infield guy. Do you know what I mean? I, I know what you mean. Yeah. Matt yeah. Adams, you know, it's just certain yeah, guys exactly, like, they all are exactly. like, they're Maybe not like that big, but more of like a Justin Bohr softball <laughs> player type or something, but he's got that big leg kick, but he, you know, he does have some nice loft to the swing. I think he's always going to hit for some power. He is going to swing and miss because it, it's not the most it's not the most athletic swing if that no. makes sense even though i think he's yeah. a good athlete in the field like he runs well he moves well he charges the ball really well he throws in the run really well like he's a good third baseman he's a major league third baseman and i think that he hits the ball enough and hits the ball for power enough that'll have it he'll have an everyday job but Absolutely. he's the kind of guy that like in his best year he's going to be more like your utility guy 
or a corner infielder in a, in a 12 team league. Like, and that's like his at, like I said, Justin Bohr, like that's like his absolute, like, you know, floor. he'll be a different sort of hitter than Bohr is, but you know, I think it's power, not a ton of average. He's not going to run all that much. That could steal bases, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but it, a lot of doubles, a lot of line drives, you know, not as much power as Bohr, obviously, yeah. but just sort of one of those like next tier of guys that kind of like, all right, well, I t- I'll take him because I know he's going to give me some homers and, you know, he's in a major league lineup and they might be bad enough that he hits four or five next year or something, you know, <laughs> he's more of a dynasty guy for me or like a really deep league guy. Like I'm not targeting him now in a 12 team league, but I could see him turning into like an everyday major leaguer and just kind of being like a guy, yeah. you know? I think that ceiling's relatively low, as you mentioned. Yeah, that's a good point to bring up with him as far as kind of limiting how much you want to actually invest in him. But deeper leagues, yeah, he's a guy I'm interested in targeting and I have targeted in some super deep leagues. So you can keep your eye on him. I don't know how much the potential will be for this year in redraft or even how high it is in dynasty leagues. But um, Trevor Rogers is a left-handed pitcher as we get back into the pitching side of things after we touched on Guzman Alcantara here. A little bit different in terms of, you know, Guzman has a lot of time and he's kind of blown up a little bit. Sandy Alcantara has been around the block. Yeah, Trevor Rogers, I don't believe he's actually thrown anything. They actually shut him nope. down, I think, for fatigue reasons from what I saw. And I was hearing yeah. that that was actually what Braxton Garrett was shut down for. And then Garrett went down with Tommy John. So I think everyone was a little bit hesitant in assuming anything with Trevor Rogers for being An shut down. An ominous sign. And not good. But uh, but he, he's a different kind of pitcher than Garrett for me. So I, I'm a little bit more mm. confident that was pure fatigue and him just really just being tired, throwing a lot in prep ball, et cetera, whatever. But he's a true sidearm guy from the left side, which you often see a lot of guys who tilt a little differently. Like Paxton is actually almost a true sidearm slot, but he tilts his, his torso so much. It actually isn't. It's more like three quarters. But but Rogers is a pure sidearm guy, and I actually think from his slot, he's going to be really, really deceptive for lefties. I wouldn't comp it too much to like a Josh Hader kind of guy, but I was thinking about that comp because Rogers is a guy who's going to need his changeup. And I dug into Hader a while back, and Hader's going to need his changeup if he wants to be a starting pitcher and be able to neutralize righties at all. He, he desperately needs that changeup. And he's been working on that a ton, uh, Josh Hader. And I feel like that could eventually become the storyline with Trevor Rogers. And that's kind of why I comp him. I don't think they're the same caliber of pitcher, et cetera. But, and then we also haven't seen a lot from Rogers either. So we don't, I don't think we know per se how good or where the stats baseline is and where's the upside, et cetera. I've seen him up on some lists. I actually think before, before a bunch of these trades, before they got Alcantara, Diaz, Guzman, uh, Montero Brinson I actually think Rogers was the number one and now he's number seven so I guess that kind of speaks to a little bit of how bad this system was pre pre bunch of these trades but yeah I, I think he's got Rogers kind of like a low risk guy um I want to see more of him though and I, I think that the, there could be a, a decent amount of upside stashed away um Ralph you were contemplating picking him in our real fake dynasty draft and I don't think you did um hopefully this comes out Saturday so <laughs> you probably would have had your chance to take him again if he comes back around but I'm uh, hoping I can't take him again that's my next round go. pick <laughs> hopefully that swings back to you quick but uh give us your thoughts on Trevor Rogers yeah he's big long 6'6 six, six, uh yeah, sort of six, a six. lean projectable projectable lefty uh he's got that nasty arm slot like you said it's it's like low three quarters yeah. almost like a true sort of sidearm you know thrower like mike schwarren only from the left side schwarren being obviously a red sox prospect we covered way back like two months ago when we started doing these Feels like things. years ago <laughs> the thing that i like about him is the fastball has velocity 
um, and really nice control. He can spot yeah, that thing. And it's the same thing with the slider. He's got some feel for it. He can kind of manipulate it. It's more of a 10, four movement at times. It can get a little bit more sweepy. I'm not as worried about the injury stuff and the fatigue because he was on track to pitch at instruct. But what we uh, forget is hurricane Irma hit Florida at that time and oh, instruct for the Marlins. I believe the Rays and a few other teams were completely wiped out uh, in total. So, you know, that's one of the reasons they ended the Florida State League a little bit early, if you remember. Completely forgot Eden. about that. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Flatty and, yep. and, and uh, Bo Bichette, who we'll cover in a few weeks, um, you know, obviously won the championship down there. So don't forget about that. So I think he would have been back. He would have been pitching. I believe he's pitching in spring. I haven't heard any reports. I should have updated on that before I got on the show. But really, it's not going to matter all that much. We're talking about the player he is. I like the slider. He's got a curveball. He's got a changeup. Those two pitches are, are kind of average fringe at this point and you develop a little bit more. But the package is there. And this is a guy, I think, because he didn't pitch and where he was drafted and who drafted him, he might be going under the radar a little bit in dynasty leagues. I mean, we're talking about right now, he's hanging around close to pick 850, 900 yeah, in, this we're draft, deep in this draft. And he's got some upside. Yeah. Prep I agree. arm, projectability, big stuff, nasty delivery. He's got a big frame. He looks like a pitcher. It's kind of interesting. We could be talking, looking back in a year from now and saying, wow, Rogers really blew up, you know? Um, likely he's going to be a short season ball guy, maybe even like, you know, advanced rookie ball, but who knows if he shows up and, and pushes people are going to, are going to boost him up boards. And I think we have to take into account same way we do with Rockies hitters. He's got a really cushy home environment. If any of these pitchers make it and matriculate up to the major league level, because we're going to be digging into some pitchers, at least a few of them now, no, not the next guy, but. Uh, we can up. jump down. We can jump down. I, I want to actually talk Braxton Garrett. We'll jump down to Braxton Garrett. You have uh, actually. I don't think I've said your list, Ralph. I'll run through it quick. Brinson one for you. Monty Harrison two. Jorge Guzman three. Asan Diaz four. Alcantara five. Brian Anderson six. And Rogers. We just talked about at seven. You have James Nelson eight. But I want to keep him for a second. Let's go to another pitcher here. Another mm-hmm. other lefty, Braxton Garrett, who I actually really really like. I watched some tape on him, and he is uber athletic. Really really good delivery. I think he's relatively clean. I think he's size wise. I don't I don't think he's in that six six frame, but I also don't think he's undersized. Um, overall, I was pretty impressed with what I saw. But I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm kind of beating around the bush here. That he he had Tommy John. He had Tommy John. I think back in July, he's projected I think to be out for the entirety of this year. If not, maybe he gets some really really late looks and just kind of like Colek got this year actually, where he just kind of throws like an inning or two and they kind of mm-hmm. see his baseline and baseline. Yeah. I mean, moving forward, et cetera. But, and again, in 2019, you're probably going to seem limited. And then 2020 is probably where you're really looking for him. But the thing, I think we discounted him a ton. And I think I, we discounted him a ton because of Tommy John, which is understandable. We also discounted him, I think because he's a Marlins prospect, no offense to him, but, but in 2020, when this comes back, I mean, we got to remember the kid he was, which was a really, really projectable prospect. He had good velo, the changeup was super, super projectable, which you don't see a lot in these younger guys. And mm-hmm. I, that was based off the athleticism and his delivery and where his slot was and everything about him. And I think he's actually a little bit underrated. Like, I hate invest- I investing too. in guys like this where it's Tommy John. That's what you're betting on because it's like I, I don't know his medicals. I, I don't know, you know, how bad his Tommy John was. Like, I'm I'm distant from that, the whole medical side of things. And I think a lot of people are, especially as pro- yeah. prospectors and fans. Like, we don't get that insight. But – He's really tempting to me. Just investing is, is the perspective of in 2020, he ends up jumping like him to a top 50 on a list. Like if you if you want to give me like a dark horse outside of this, 
you know, the realm of any interest. Like, he's still, we're talking about that, that uh, real fake dynasty. Like, we're around pick 900. He's still sitting around. I'm sure other people don't really have him queued up because of Tommy John. Like, you want to give me a guy who could eventually hop into the top, like, 50, 60 prospects. If he gets a year removed from Tommy John and looks really yeah. good, I'll be bold and I'll say Braxton Garrett's got a really good shot to do that. I don't think he can be, I don't think he can, like, front a staff as an ace, but I think he could become, like, a really good three, honestly. And, I mean, going where he is in, in dynasty drafts, like, that's that is a really really discounted price. Um, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of Ralph. Ralph, do you agree or disagree? I agree, and I think if he's somebody that you can hold, um, he's perfect because he's sort of got a nice floor with that plus control. You know, if he does come yeah. back and you know he has the feel that he had before. This guy I can remember in like the National High School Invitational Tournament, which is you know one of the things that kicks off earlier in the the high school season, uh, and he was like unbelievable. Like some of the, you know, I think he you know had like a like a two hitter, you know outpitched. I forget who it was in the other side. It might have been Hans Kraus at that time, oh, yeah. but it was just like an unbelievable. It's an unbelievable performance. It was really good throughout the high school season. I believe his father was his high school coach, so he's a coach's kid too. Um, I love his curveball. That's the thing that sticks out to me about, about Garrett is that plus plus curveball. It's like north south kind of drops in on guys. Um, he's got really good feel for it. And he has, I think he has feel already or did have feel already for a change up. Oh, yeah. It had a ton uh, of movement. It was a good, it, good exactly. pitch. Exactly. It was a good pitch. I think it was something that he could project out to have three plus pitches plus with plus control. And all of a sudden he comes back and busts up boards the way Walker Walker Bueller did coming off of his surgery as long as everything takes and he comes back and he comes back at full strength sometimes these guys come back from Tommy John surgery and add a few ticks onto the fastball so that could be kind of interesting uh I like Garrett a lot I think he's a good sleeper um and you're not going to have to invest a lot of draft capital to get him and own him uh or even pick him up off the waiver wire he might be a free or a dollar guy in a lot of your dynasty leagues, uh, you know, if you can't pick up prospects maybe until like, you know, a month or two into the season or something. Yeah. He's a guy. I think you could try to get the owner to toss into a trade as just a piece that throw away. Like, Oh, I don't know if I want to do this deal throwing Garrett. And at the end of the day, that actually might return some value down the road, et cetera. But, uh, uh, jumping back to number eight on your list, Ralph, James Nelson, who actually fooled me a bit. I know we talk a lot about how I kind of watch tape and stats, sometimes independently, sometimes one before the other. Sometimes I have an impression on a guy, sometimes I don't. Didn't really have too much of a gauge on Nelson, but I read a lot about him. And what I read consistently is that he's the guy on this list that people tend to kind of gravitate towards and like a little bit more. As far as back half of this list, who could eventually maybe get into some pop and end up being a decent doubles hitter, a, a, have some projectable power, which is something I don't think you can find too much on this list as far as the lower minors guys go for them. Um, were you kind of surprised from the stance perspective? I don't know if you watched too much tape on him, Ralph, but from the stance perspective to what you saw on the stat side and the projections, were you were you kind of surprised at all? Because when I first watched him tape-wise, I think I saw him with GCL Marlins, just some tape. Um, I didn't really – I suspected him to have, you know, a lot of strikeout and, and whiff problems and not a lot of power because the at-bat I saw, I think there's one on YouTube that's just really bad at-bat. So maybe I just got really, really biased on a small sample of literally four pitches where he just looked terrible. But – then he got into another ball, I think, down the line, which looked pretty good. And then I looked at the stats, and he, he actually popped a decent amount of home runs for, for his level. And I was kind of surprised, and it, he kind of got me interested. I like these guys that kind of fool me like this, where I expect one thing, and I don't get that at all. And, and Nelson did that for me. I don't know if you're high on Nelson, Ralph, per se, or, you know, what, what was your impression when you, when you saw him and then watched the stats or vice versa, et cetera? Yeah, I think I think seeing him is one of those things where um, it depends what you see because he takes some bad at bats, he takes mm. some bad hacks. 
you know, that he definitely gets fooled by pitches. Pitch pitch recognition needs to develop with him. But the one thing I will say that I like a lot about him is tons of bat speed. This is another bat speed guy. Now, I know he wasn't drafted by this organization, but he does get around in it pretty quickly. It's a 15th round pick, and I think he sort of, you know, showed that obviously he was a little bit underdrafted. I think he was a Juco kid. Uh, Still only going to be 20 entering the season, if I'm not mistaken. So he's still pretty young. He's got some time in development. There is some pop in the bat. Plays a pretty good third base, and uh, I heard an interview with him, I think on like MILB or someplace, maybe even Baseball America, but I heard an interview with him, and he seems like he's a pretty confident kid, you know, very, very into baseball. I don't know if I can actually take anything away from an interview with a prospect, <laughs> but, um, you know, it seems like base, baseball is a big deal, and he understands what his flaws are and that he needs to improve his approach and his pitch recognition, and I think if he's able to do that and take a step forward with that walk rate, um, and sort of wait for his pitch. He's got the power. He's got the bat speed to be able to drive the ball and be a pretty effective player as a hitter. Yeah, he's he's interesting from a power perspective. I think if especially if you expect the speed to kind of go away a little bit, him to fill into that frame a little bit more. There's some pop there. I think that people are eventually what they're hoping is that that gap power turns into home run power. Those balls to right center, left center yep. start going out. So that's what and you're good expecting. defense. And again, good another defense guy. and a little yeah. bit of power will get you. That's will get you get some you shine. Time. You know, that'll get you, you you'll have some. You always have some value because you're going to get some reps. And uh, you'll get you'll get ranked highly on a lot of prospect lists if you can put it together. So uh, we know that has value in dynasty leagues when you're trying to find assets that you can trade during a stretch run to load up your team. And I think sometimes we lose sight of that. That <laughs> we should probably mention true. some of these guys might get helium, and helium helium sometimes is more important than actual ability. <laughs> Especially if the helium is making you think that he's substantially better than whatever ceiling was put on him. Because I, I tend to stick to ceilings. Like ceilings, you should set yep. ceilings so that it is the max you expect out of a guy. And I know that one of the most famous ceiling busters, and I'll bring him up, Francisco Lindor, no one thought he was going to hit 30 plus home runs at any point in his career. And he's yep. now 32 home run guy, whatever. But that's that's an exception of all exceptions i would say um we're talking about bat speed individual doesn't really have any bat speed but has speed speed so like leg speed i guess is manera sierra i don't know how to say his first name so i'm just gonna mumble there and hopefully no one goes back i like to call him magnarius i have no idea if that sounds his name, like it something looks like magnarius it seems like he'd be like you know nervous part of like the know. uh like the the like the what was the Parthian guard? Yeah, what, what was, I was thinking Greek, Roman, whatever too. The gladiator, yeah, what, what, what is the guard? What is the guard? Oh God, I don't know. Bretonian, Bretonian guard. Bretonian guard. I, okay, I, mean, okay. I was a former history major, so I should know oh, stuff. Jeez, come on, boo. It's the only thing it's good <laughs> yeah, so he's another Cardinal guy here. We go Zach Gallon on this list. He's UF thirteen, Ralph right-handed pitcher. It was another piece Pretorian. that Pretorian. There you go. I don't know what that means. <laughs> They were the guard that protected the emperors. Ah, there you go. Well, I, I don't know. He seems, he's short. I think Sierra's short. I don't really know if he's protecting anyone, but uh, protecting the base paths, I guess. I don't really know. He's got some speed. He's got legs. Uh, he's more of a slap in the outfield. Yeah, grass. He, he's one actually, of balls hitting the grass. Because I don't really think there's much fantasy value here, I wanted to bring up and even ask you, Ralph, I, I feel like a lot of the time when we – put the eye test on guys in the outfield we think they're a little bit better then we go back to the stats and we see they're like neutral to eh and that's kind of where uh where sierra showed up super small sample whatever but i i wonder almost to some extent how accurate some of the outfield defensive metrics are because i seem i feel like all the time i'm seeing guys make decent plays on balls and then i go back and it's like always only like buxton kiermaier and hamilton that are plus 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 and then like pr and it's like it and then you look at all these guys like i saw sierra play a little bit on the cars he made some really good plays. Like he's got really good range. I know the arm isn't fantastic, which might be going into the calc a little bit on some of these defensive metrics. But 
I don't know. I am, I don't really see much fantasy value here at all, honestly. But uh, um, he's a guy I actually think could sneakily steal some time from Brinson if Brinson struggles. Do you agree with that, Ralph? You think he could slot in if because the defensive side I think is reasonable, and I mean it might be as good as Brinson. Um, I know Brinson's defense is pretty. He's probably in a much better arm, Brinson, but. I have a more optimistic path to playing time. I think Cameron Maben's going to get hurt. He's going to be the center fielder because Brinson and me lightly might play right field. Oh, I didn't even Maybe think I'm that. wrong. Okay. I think yeah, Brinson's the right center. fielder. Yeah, I think they're going to have Derek Diedrich in, uh, in left, and they're going to play center field with wow, Maben out there. Sign up, but team. I think, yeah, <laughs> but I think, I think Magnarius here ultimately ends up as like a Jared Dyson, sort of like maybe a fourth outfielder yeah, exactly. or a really good defensive outfielder in center field. Um, I don't know if the steel you know, upside is as high, though. It's the thing. Huh? I don't know if the steel. He's got yeah. speed. He's got speed, and he's got some contact yeah. ability. You know, it was about a seventy-five percent contact rate with some some issues uh, right out of A ball. I mean, we we can't forget this guy. I don't even think it played any games he, at Double A. He jumped from Double A directly up. Actually, oh, actually a lot no, of it right. was proximity. Right. He was close to the team, I believe, at the time. Uh, you know, he was in the Florida State League. The team was in Atlanta. For whatever reason, there was an injury or something that happened. Yeah. They had to come up immediately and jettison him to the team. He stuck around for 22 games. He hit 300. So, I mean, yeah, it wasn't I think bad. there's I remember some contact ability there. And I think with some speed and some contact, you know, maybe he finds a decent season. But, I mean, you'd have to be in, like, a 30-team league to me it's to deep. find it's any real value in Magnaria Sierra or even be slightly like, okay, I'm cool with owning him or – Throw him into a trade for a little bit of depth. Like, it would have to be, like, the Raz 30. Like, yep. even, like, a 20-team league, like, I'm not thinking about really owning him in his real big dynasty. You know, maybe it's like a flyer in the last round. So, guys, you can have that with Magnarius Sierra. <laughs> There's no pop, and he's not going to steal 40 bases. So, that's what the problem is. With defensive metrics, I heard a really interesting point on uh, MLB TV the other day okay. from uh, Mike Petriello from yeah, – yeah. Statcast, who I've obviously had in the baseball show and we've talked to, finally said his ni- name right uh, correctly. My wife gets a kick out of this because one of my best friends' name is Mike Petrillo. So it always confuses me, Mike Petrillo, Mike Petriello. So Mike Petriello was saying that Mike Trout's defense is underrated by defensive metrics because a lot of the plays that he made were just really easy plays. Like it was just a matter of the plays that were made, that it wasn't so much that he was poor, but that the metrics are biased toward those great plays that are made sometimes and that can bring up the baseline as opposed to somebody who's just huh. really good center fielder and makes good plays, you know? So maybe that's, that's some of the stuff that it tricks a little bit, but he was kind of just bringing that up in terms of defensive metrics, that it's not all the be all end all. And I think with defense personally, a lot of it comes down to uh, baseball smarts and, and you see it, like you see it as somebody who played baseball. You're like, that's a good fielder. He makes good plays. Tell, yeah. You know, okay. he's smart. He's smart with his decision making in game. And that's something that I don't think the metrics measure. Now, if you're talking about like, you know, the best routes and, you know, all that sort of stuff, it's I forget. Yeah. yeah. You know, expected catch and, you know, all those Sprint sort of things. Really goes into fielding. Yeah. 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 You know, really interesting parts of the, the stat cast system, I think, maybe even as much as the, as the hitting side. And people don't get into it, but I really like it when like on their podcast, they dig into some of those like expected catches and some of that stuff, because some of the catches you think are great really aren't so great. They take and a weird path and it take, looks flashy. Yeah, right? yeah. That you sort of take it for granted that you're like, damn, like that was, that was a great catch and you kind of didn't even miss it. They made it look really easy. So um, going back to the defense, I think Sierra really is a plus defender. If he does get a major league time, I think we'll see some great catches from him, but I don't, I don't get too much in the defensive metrics. So, 
Do you want to yeah. bang out this like last like yeah. bag full of crap here at the end? <laughs> back into rotation starters and the, the, uh, I, I want to go down to so like Miller. Nick Nick Nieder. I mean, I'm going to jump over Miller. You can take Miller if you want. I want to bring up Nick Nieder because or however you say his name came over from Seattle in the, in the yeah. G Gordon trade. He's got. He's funky. I, I didn't know how, how weird his delivery was. He's one of the – so we talk about a lot of the time, if you ever watch any top philosophy videos, I know I mention those all the time, any any pitching mechanical breakdowns, you often talk about how you want a guy to be linear to the plate. And this is if you're looking at him from the first base or third base side, you're looking like at his chest or at his back. You want him to be linear as in when he's going towards the plate, you don't want him to come up. So like if you draw a line on his shoulders, if that's pointing north – it's it, you're, you're being inefficient with your weight because eventually you have to come down and throw the ball to the plate. So if you're going up, you just have to naturally collect correct down. So you're spending energy to go up and you're wasting that. If you watch Kumar Rocker, actually, this is a guy who I've I know on the scouting circles has been broken down. And that's one of his knocks right now is that he goes up too much. He's not linear and he's got to kind of correct it to corral some of his weight and get that behind the ball a little bit better. But Nick Nieder is the anti Kumar Rocker, I bet, because I guess because. When you watch Nick Nieder, he's one of the most linear people I think I've ever seen. It's just, it is so perfect in his path to the ball. And he does this funky reach back thing, which I've noticed a couple other guys do. I think it was Chris Rodriguez, I want to say, on the Angels did this. And he it's weird. It's like when, when he goes up and his, he closes off his front shoulder, and that's like almost at peak close, he reaches like back really odd, and then he kind of drives with his back leg, and then it swings around really quick. And it's it sounds funky. like his back folds. It's, it's like, yeah, it's weird. Right? Like I don't know what you call that. I, I, it's not a hitch. Like Jordan Walden is Jordan Walden and Carter Caps are hitch guys, where it's a it's a hard drive off the rubber. That's like more of a hitch. And a hitch, I guess you can also say, is more just a quirk and a swing. But I always consider it something like a Walden or et cetera, where you're pushing off really hard and it looks funky. But Neater has this weird hitch that I don't know what to call it. Maybe someone knows at me Contortion? on Twitter. Let me know. It might be like, like a, a contor- I feel like it's kind of a scouting term, right? It's like a, I call it like a reach back just because it's like it's not naturally where someone's arm goes in, in a motion. It's down, whereas opposed to most times you're pulling in and you're, you're rotational and you're going towards the plate. But uh, I noticed this about Nieder, and all this is to say that I really don't think there's any fantasy value here. So I don't know why I'm digging into him so much, but I found it fun. I like doing this with some guys. So uh, the, the thing that I'm most concerned about is why, Ralph, I don't know if you have any answers on this, but high A to double A, the K rate dropped substantially. And I know he's a really good command guy, but is the stuff that bad, Ralph? I, you got to let me know here. I don't know, honestly. Plus, plus change-ups always make strikeout rates look really good in the low minors. Mm. And these guys Didn't get the double A and triple A, and they get the crap kicked out yep. of them when their fastball isn't good enough. And I think that's what Niedert's issue is. You know who really dislikes Niedert? Who? Is Cali Kuselek. Really? Doesn't like him at all. <laughs> we had a discussion about him on the baseball show, and he, like, shat all over Niedert. He just does not. <laughs> I listen to that, but I don't remember back in the rotation guy. He is not into Niedert at all. And he isn't, like, overly negative about anybody. And he was pretty negative about Niedert. And he's a guy that, like, I think if you number scout because of what his numbers were, like, in the low minors, he's got some pedigree. He was an early pick. I think he was a first or second round guy. I think he was, If yeah. I'm not mistaken. Um, second round. But, second you know, round. early second round, if I'm not mistaken, a couple years ago. And the numbers have been pretty good. I mean, if you look at the ERAs, you know, one 153 in rookie ball, 257 in low A, 276 in high A, gets three games and 23 innings at double A, 656. It jumps up, you know, Um, he's a control guy. You know, I don't think the fastball is awful. I think he can probably improve a little bit. I don't know if he's ever going to miss enough at 
enough bats. I think that, you know, ultimately his upside is like numbers wise, maybe it would be like a Kyle Hendricks or like what everyone's hoping miles Mikolas is going to be, you know, yeah. I watched but in terms of what he looks like, you know, he reminds me of Who? other than that weird contortion hitch. Yeah, like we got to figure out what that's called. Bust, bust thrust. <laughs> bust uh, thrust. Yeah. I don't know. Right? Cause it's like, it's like, you know, like, it's, it's, it's more with like the arm. Like I don't understand. It's, it's, it's like weird. he's doing, it's like all of a sudden he does like flies. Like he's at the gym. Yeah. He's doing, flies you know it and looks like, unnatural oh, but it oh, works for that like, little like pushback when you go a little bit further too back you know yeah like, it hurts get, a like the overextension on it it's like exactly what it, like he does uh, uh, that's funny i even forgot where i'm going with all know. this oh we're talking about tim hudson he kind of reminds me of tim hudson like he really? looks like tim hudson okay like the build you know what i mean i didn't catch that now because i was too concerned he's with what similar, he was doing he's like a sand. similar build to tim hudson he's like 6'1 180 like and just okay. sort of his weight, like the waist, I don't know, something about it. Like he just reminds me of hmm. Hudson. I've heard other people say that before too. Oh, but, eh. yeah, maybe I just don't like him too much. But uh. you like Zach Galen <laughs> at all? You have any interest in Zach Galen? He's yeah, he's, another, he's a Cardinal guy. guy. I, I didn't see too too much of him. He was wasn't really too high on many lists. I don't I, I don't really think he was ever too much of a touted Cardinal prospect. But I think he was just kind of a piece they tossed him for Ozuna, I believe. Um, yeah, he's got a pretty interesting cutter that I think was one of his better pitches that I, I actually liked a bit. He fastball curveball. I think fastball curveball change cutter. But the cutter was always the interesting pitch for me because I feel like there weren't too too many guys in the Cardinal system with a cutter. Um, so that kind of stood out. But I really don't see too much upside here. I think he's a little bit further. He might go on the same kind of track as Nieder. Um, he, he actually looked – I mean, actually, wow, I might be a little bit wrong here. He's, so we go Nieder goes from a 9K per 9 to a 5. Zach Gallen goes from 2017 AA, 71 innings, he had a 5-3 K per 9. And then he jumped up to AAA Memphis, 20 innings pitched 10 K per 9. So the opposite of Nieder, I can't say I saw that last sample of data, honestly. Um, that's pretty good. I, I'd be interested to dig in. I probably should have dug in and figured out why that jumped up or what he did. But – Skip went through three levels in the Cardinal system, so maybe this is more of a proximity arm that comes up and steals some starts. Hopefully for the Marlins, maybe that's what they're thinking here. Is just kind of a guy to eat up innings. He's a back end sneaky guy for like an NFBC, like a last yeah, round fair. flyer that you take for some for some decent innings. And I think the next guy too, like Dylan Peters, is kind of like that too. Yeah, he's another guy you that's going to steal some starts. There's going to be a I, lot of guys who are starting on the Marlins, and yeah, they're going to run into pitcher, like the Mets a few times. You know, like, I did a pitching profile on Peters last year, and he's just kind of interesting because I think he's like five eight, five nine. Like he's not a very size, big yeah. guy. He's he's very small. Um, got a decent curveball. You know, there was a changeup. Gets a lot of ground balls. I don't know. I mean, I, I think, I think if he's going to be successful, he's going to have to follow like the Rich Hill uh, mentality of just throwing the crap out of that curveball. But mm. yeah, I don't know. He's another guy that, like I said, might be like a, an interesting late round guy. Did you want to get into uh, Joe Denod, the other cousin of, of Alex Rodriguez that isn't Yuri Sucrate that sold him uh, steroids? <laughs> you probably don't remember that name, Yuri Secret. I don't. I don't think I do, honestly. Yeah, I, that was his cousin that sold him steroids, and I had fantasy teams named Yuri Secret for like ten years. <laughs> oh, that is fantastic. Yeah, I, Dunard. I think I, I hadn't listed as a shortstop, third baseman. I don't know how good the feeling data is on what he played. He played short, right, or third? I don't know. Whatever he played, I think I, a third baseman. I don't, yeah. was, I don't think it was fantastic. The average has always been there for him, but uh, he was Kane a ton, walking a ton, a, a funky in the respect that it looks like he has some approach. But he probably has some contact issues. You jump from rookie of all the high A in the Marlins system. 
only 22. He was drafted in the second round. Um, I can't say I dug into him too, too much. Usually on the back end of your list here, Ralph, I punt him back to you and hope that you looked at them more than <laughs> I did. So the guy I looked at is Tyler Kolek because I just wanted to rewatch some perfect game tape of him. Oh, uh, God. So uh, I didn't even I, talk I don't even about know if you want to talk about him. I know, yeah. <laughs> He's been so bad. He's been yeah, tough. no, He's been uh, Denon is a guy that, that had an, uh, a, a finger injury and it sort of ah. screwed up his entire season. NC State guy. I think he played a little bit with, with Trey Turner, actually, when he was there as well, if huh. I'm not mistaken. I think there was some overlap for a year or two. Good power. Um, really limited sample last year, but he's kind of interesting. You know, if he can stay healthy for a season, gets a full season ball, hits for some power in the corner, you know, infield, those guys can move pretty quickly. So uh, he's not somebody to completely forget about. I think he's maybe a really good flyer if you're uh, looking for a player to draft potentially in the real fake dynasty league and you're listening to this and you're sitting on the, on the clock for another three hours and we all just want to end this league and start making trades. You could take <laughs> Joe to That comes from Ralph. Go I, ahead. I'm take actually, a, I actually have to, life. I have to, <laughs> I have to admit, I didn't, I never, I haven't watched tape on Dinard, but I'm watching tape right now as we speak. And, uh, I, what do you it, think? It's, it's not that bad. It's, no, not, it's not bad from an approach perspective. It's a polished college bad. You can tell that already. There's not yeah. a lot of movement. Um, I'm kind of interested now, actually, after seeing this. Some people it's, think it's he's simple. maxed out. I think that's what the issue that's is. That's probably the problem, yeah. Especially because if you max him out, he's at high with a 30% K rate. You're like, what happens? <laughs> Where does the average go? It goes south, most likely. So what is he, like a 28K percent guy with like 270 average ceiling? So He hasn't had a uh, lot of major league ra- major league. He hasn't had a lot of professional reps, though. So I think he's a guy that just needs he needs some time, too. You know? Maybe we'll yeah. see what he adjusts to. And then there's Brian Hernandez, who's just an enigma an absolute enigma. This guy came over from Seattle. Uh, interesting prospect was highly touted. I think they paid like about $2 million for him back in 2014. Still only 20. There's some power. There's some speed. Um, good in- instincts in the field is what I noted here. And I, I th- he hasn't had another guy, not a ton of time. I think he's kind of an interesting guy. Maybe you take him like a 30 team league. If you have really, I, own him actually in a 30 team league where I have really deep farm systems. Sure. You know, you take a flyer on him and maybe he turns into something, something clicks, something pops. Um, but those are the Marlins. Did you want to go into Kolak at all? You can talk no. about Kolak and I'll fall asleep and just pretend. Uh, <laughs> so I actually took Kolak with the last pick in the Raz 31st player draft. I don't know if you knew that. So I, yeah, I, I stashed him. I stashed him. I know him. you did. Uh, and I was like, oh, that's gross. The, it's the pedigree. Honestly, it's that <laughs> fastball because that fastball is just beast oh i love that fastball so much even though it's it probably wasn't nearly as good as it was when he returned and he throws i mean I, you, there's no upside with him i'm not trying to talk him up maxed out righties maxed, maxed out I, yeah, high school I know, righties are I a bad luck. it's tough they're terrible they've been the tracker is just disgusting but <laughs> i was i had to rewatch old perfect game tape and it was the the most eye-opening thing for me actually because i've been getting into the draft a little bit obviously watching some guys and starting to formulate some opinions and there's the, the prep arms this year are pretty good. And there's some electric prep arms like Rocker and Hankins. And then just more polished ones like Librator. And then you know, the college arms like Singer and McClanahan. And it, it's a really, really deep pitching side draft from the top, um, which is actually one of the reasons why I really like Nolan Gorman, who's a third baseman with crazy, crazy power, who I'm very high on. Um, but Kolek reminded me actually from the fastball perspective of a lot of guys who I, I mean, I don't want to pull out the Hankins comp here, but um Hankins has a really good fastball and he's working on the other pitches and Kolek was the exact same way where it was just a bonkers good fastball and you go back and watch that perfect game tape on Kolek's fastball 
his fastball is disgusting. Like, that is, like, a pure 70 fastball. Like, I get that he doesn't have command of it, et cetera, but when that pitch is, like, anywhere in the zone, it's a really, really good pitch. And I, I don't know how it's looked since he's come back from Tommy John, how much, you know, that bite moves, et cetera, when he, when he gets Tommy John and how that affects a guy from a pitching perspective. But it's kind of all I have to say about Kolek. Just, I guess, going into draft season as you start ranking guys, like, you do have to kind of boost the college arms that are a little more polished, like Sigurd McClanahan, I think. Um, even though I love the Rotor a ton. So a little preview for the eventual, I'm sure, MLB draft pod we're gonna do. But nice. We'll see. Yeah, Colec, I love whatever. It. And let me just end and let me just end the show on this note here. So uh the Braves are apparently angry at Ronald Acuna because of how he wears his hat. They say he does not wear it straight <laughs> oh, and is God. not respectful to the game. Oh uh, no, I thought we were past you this on that old man, get off my lawn. Why don't we just screw up this kid because he doesn't wear the hat that we we want him to. So anyway, I am Prospect Jesus on Twitter. That's where you can find me. I'm on Razzball pretty much every day of the week releasing a podcast or an article as well as the Fan Tracks baseball show. We put out five videos a week between four to six minutes, breaking down a single player, as well as our weekly show with some great guests that we've had. We've had everyone from awesome uh, Ben Badler of Baseball America to – Eric Longenhagen to John Sickles. That's just talking prospect side of things. We have some really good fantasy guys on like Al Melchior on recently. Um, you know, this week we had Rob Silver on who was a former NFBC uh, main event champion. So we've sort of touched on uh, all types of leagues, all types of different prospects and systems. It's been a really fun off season for me, Lance. Where can the people find you? I'm aggregating everything on Twitter, as I always am, uh, at Lance Brozdow, B-R-O-Z-D-O-W. Um, actually, too, Ralph, I, I type in Ronald Acuna here. We have the same birthday. Isn't that pretty cool? December Wonderful. 18th. Look at that. Oh, really? There yeah. you go. Well, happy it. birthday. Thank you. Very far away. But, um, yeah, it's pretty dumb. Okay, I don't really Mr. care how he wears his hat if he's hitting 280 <laughs> with 2020 and plus defense. So, um, no. whatever. I, I, I don't know. People, you gotta, yeah, I guess you got to come up with a story because he's not hitting well. And, you know, you have to... Oh, you went two for four the other day, I think, so... Yeah, he did. I, I think he asked me. Ah, who knows? He's going to be great. Who cares? Exactly. Yeah, I'm on Twitter. Find me on Twitter. I aggregate everything there. I'll be Razzball Monday Calm, this pod with Ralph. I'm starting my own pod again, too. So if you like if you like what I do here, you know, it'll be a little bit different. So it won't be prospects, but give a listen. Well, uh, that'll be kicking around my Twitter as well. So Twitter, Twitter is where to find me. Ralph, send the people off. Say something else fun, and we can get out of here. Can we eat a ham sandwich? White Castle presents CEO Lisa Ingram. My great-grandfather opened White Castle in 1921, which is why I'm excited to announce the new 1921 slider, inspired by how we made them 100 years ago, with a 100% beef patty topped with cheddar cheese, caramelized onions, tomato, lettuce, and pickles. Come see why originality never goes out of style. I'm Lisa, but you can call me the Slider Queen. White Castle, long live sliders. Pasteurized processed cheese at participating castles.